cut to the end of 2020, I was like, okay, let me start applying for jobs again. And I applied for one. It was a national makeup artist position and I hit every bullet. It was 10 years of experience, a bachelor's degree. And the last bullet was a minimum of 5,000 Instagram followers. I was so pissed because I was like, you're looking for a millennial because you want 10 years of work experience. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you want a bachelor's degree. And while I was doing that, I was supposed to become Instagram famous. Why is my Instagram, why are you entitled to my personal Instagram following? Mm. That shows me you don't know how to build one yourself. So you want to leech off of someone else's. Mm. And I was so aggravated about it. I applied anyway, (laughs) didn't hear anything, but cut to, it was like January, uh, February of 2021. I really started to realize that this having a social media following is more of a currency than Mm -hmm. anything in the marketing field. So I said to my fiance, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take February of 2021 to try to make something happen on social media. And at that point, if it didn't happen, I was going to give up and work marketing for Pine Soul or whatever that, (laughs) whatever, whatever, just sell out job I took because I was done at that point. Welcome to Wise and Wine, a play on the phrase, rise and shine. Now look here, folks. I've had five jobs in the last two years, and that shit just ain't normal. Or is it? No, no, it's not. So I'm turning to diverse people who inspire me both professionally and personally with careers that didn't exactly start at point A and end at point B. We'll explore how their families, their cultures, and their communities impacted their career decisions, as well as the exact moment they decided to pursue their passions, even if that passion wasn't a direct path to a pension or a 401k. Hopefully, I'll come away knowing how they became the badass, the confident, the strategic people that I admire. And if I don't come out of this project a little wiser, well, at least I'll enjoy the boozy wine ride. You guys, welcome to another episode of Wise and Wine Podcast. Another episode that makes me think that I probably should have named this thing something like Coffee and Confused because the majority of my guests are drinking coffee, which makes sense. They're professional business people. Instead of us kikiing at a happy hour, most of these people are generous enough to give me their time during their business hours and these folks are mainlining coffee. I myself don't drink coffee, which is probably why it never occurred to me to name it coffee and something. And had I not already started working on branding this thing, I would change the name, but here we are. So today's guest is another one of those who subsist off coffee, and that is Mr. Johnny Ross. And before we jump into Johnny, I kind of want to give my little history with makeup because I'm fascinated by people like Johnny who I understand there's 8 million steps to put a, a look on him and it just looks so easy. It's like, oh, color, color, color. And that's because I had zero relationship with makeup growing up. Like my mom had makeup, but I don't think she wore it with any regularity. Um 
I think she had friends that sold Mary Kay and she bought stuff from them, but I don't think she went out of her way to judge or change her appearance drastically. And I don't think it was until Kevin O'Quan, if I'm saying his name correctly, was the first kind of introduction to me to makeup. I think it was the first person as a famous makeup artist that made me go, oh, like this is why beautiful celebrities look beautiful, not always because of their genes and they woke up this way, but because somebody does this to them. (laughs) Somebody like Kevin goes to their house and puts shit on their face to enhance the hotness that they already have, but also to enhance it in ways that like, holy crap, like you could do this too had you had access to these products. So I don't think it was until I was in my early 20s, like when I was well out of grad school because I was a card carrying tomboy until then, until I finally walked into a store and I believe it was a Mac and I was like, do something with this. <laughs> and so um, they gave me, the artist gave me a foundation and a mascara and liner and lipstick and a lip glass and a lip liner. And I promise you it was the same. The first time I went to a Mac, they gave me a chestnut lip liner and the lip glass that I went with shoot I should know because it's upstairs anywho um yeah so I went and had my whole face done and you know I tried to keep it up as best as I could after that and then I ran out and then I thought okay well every time I go into the Mac the artists look amazing and so I tried this it worked for me let's try something else so I walked into the store and again me not knowing anything me just thinking that if I show a face they can improve the face. So I would walk in and be like, all right, I'm ready for something. And they're like, oh, great. Here's chestnut. And when I tell you for years, every Mac that I've been to and every city, whether it's a, a store, whether it's in the airport, wherever I go and there's a Mac, when I walk in, they hand me a freaking chestnut lip liner. And I, I used to get so frustrated because I'm like, really? Is there nothing for me other than this? And even when I go to the drugstores and try to buy something, it's, I don't know how to match my skin tone. I don't know what foundation goes with what. And so that's why a lot of times I go to Mac or Sephora or Ulta to rely on them. And I think I finally just got frustrated that the Mac people were giving me the same freaking colors that I finally jumped to a Sephora. Honestly, it was Rihanna releasing her Fenty Beauty that got me into a Sephora because I was like, I want this. I want all of this. And there was a great artist, a makeup artist there that was really patient with me. And she helped me put pick some colors and like, what is it that you're going for? And I think having that experience made me realize, yes, there is an artistry. Like that's why they call makeup artists. There's an artistry into understanding what it is that you're doing. And there's an artistry into picking the right shades and colors um, for people. And, And I think the more stores that I went in when I lived in the States, you realize there's people that just do this for a check. Or there's people that don't know what the hell they're doing with a woman of color. So they've go like, uh, I, I don't know. Here's my black woman playbook. This is what I think goes on black women versus figuring out what works on me. Um, so I love Johnny. So Johnny, I don't know how he showed up on my For You page. I don't have a ton of makeup. I don't follow a ton of makeup artists there. But he showed up on my For You page one day. And what he was talking about on this particular day was he had gotten COVID and he was frustrated. And so he was having a rant about 
kind of the beauty industry. And so as he was talking, I realized, oh, this is somebody that really knows their shit. Like he knows what he's talking about. He knows about colors and packaging and he knows about the industry too. And so he was talking about equity and inclusion and diversity in the business and why that doesn't exist. And so of course, as I often do, it sent me into um, a rabbit hole of going through all of his TikTok videos, his YouTube videos, and realizing that he knows his stuff and he's looking at the industry as a whole. Like it's not just, hey, let me put on some makeup. I think he's talking about packaging and he's talking about um, why this works and why that works. And he compares products and he's not always going to say that the most expensive one is the best one. So he truly does care about his work and does see it as artistry. So I wanted to learn more about that. And yeah, so I reached out to him and have shocked to shit that he said yes, because he has amassed himself a 1.1 million person following on TikTok, which is outstanding. And he's now developed um, merch for himself. And I think we talk about kind of the future of what it is that he wants to see for himself. So a very interesting talk. I am shocked as shit that it's his first podcast because he carries it off flawlessly. He's got the inflections, he's got the pauses, he's got jokes, you know, so I, I I can't believe this is his first. It most certainly will not be his last. So please enjoy my guest, Mr. Johnny Ross. Good morning, Mr. Johnny Ross. Welcome to Wise and Wine. What are you drinking? Coffee. <laughs> Always coffee. <laughs> 24-7. 24-7. Too much to the point where I have caffeine headaches, but you know, got to get through the day. For sure. For sure. All right. So before I learn more about you and your career, the one true burning question I've been dying to ask a makeup artist is why, oh, why is Chestnut the only lip liner that ever gets presented to me at MAC? On the one hand, it may be truly the best color for my skin tone, but it really feels like there's some black girl playbook that they're following whenever I walk into the store where it's like, oh, a black girl, chestnut. So please dispel yeah. this for me. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. No, I totally, I think like when you're in retail, there is such a, uh, you're right, it's a playbook. Like it's, it's, they have something in mind. It's all about selling as fast as you can, turning it around. So they, you almost compartmentalize, okay, what's going to work for certain people? And it's just their go-to. But when it, it was funny because I, when I got started in makeup, I got hired at Mac and Sephora and I, picked Sephora because of the variety of products, because I didn't want to have to do that. Like you have so many different brands to work with that when someone came in, you had all of these different options to show people, but something like Mac, you know, they only have what they have. And it's like, yeah. if that's the one that works, that's the one that works, which <laughs> I, I didn't want to deal with. So that's why I went with Sephora. So, but Ugh. you better believe at the end of this, I'll um, definitely going to give you a bunch of lip liner recommendations. So. Oh, please, please. Because like I literally <laughs> went to the Mac store wearing chestnut and they gave me chestnut. I'm like, there has to be another color. You guys are killing me here. Totally. <laughs> All right. That's so funny. So can you tell me about your career path and maybe how it's been influenced by your family, your culture, all that good stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, oh boy. All right. Um, I 
started my, I guess I started my whole career in cosmetology school. Uh, when I was in high school, I did theater um, and I wanted to go for theater, but I just knew that that really wasn't going to be an option financially. Um, I got into some music schools, but it just, you know, typical high school, it's, they don't, especially in rural New Jersey, they don't have music theory. They don't really set you up for success, you know? So I just knew it wasn't going to happen. So I, when I was in theater, I loved doing makeup and wigs. And so when I was done, I decided to go to cosmetology school. So uh, the plan was to do hair and I really didn't love hair coloring. I'm somebody that like, I love, I always have a vision when I'm doing something like, and I need to walk into every situation, like 100% confident that I'm going to be able to deliver, set everything up for success. And when it came to hair color, it was like, if you did everything you were supposed to do, every formula, the hair can still turn green. And I, I, and I hated that. Like, so that always made me so nervous and I, but I loved styling. I loved cutting, which I still do. But when I was done with cosmetology school, I always kind of like loved makeup a little bit more. And I think a lot of people don't realize is like, you know, you think cosmetology school teaches you makeup. They don't, they really don't like, and it's like you touch on it. And most of it was just teaching myself, even when I was in school, following YouTube, et cetera. Um, and when I was done with school, I got hired at a salon, a nice salon in a town in Jersey. And I got hired in my interview and I started shadowing another assistant. And I could kind of tell right away, the environment really wasn't for me. And it was on top of salon atmospheres are a little catty, a little, uh, you know, a little drama filled. I always like to ask myself wherever I am, like, okay, I look at the person at the top and I'm like, who maybe took five, six years to get there. And I'm like, do I want to be that person? Do I want to emulate their career? And I started noticing that the top stylists really were, you know, they were obviously coming up maybe with the formula, but they weren't doing much. Like Mm. they were telling their assistant to mix it, apply it, rinse it, blow out. And I'm like, okay, so I guess the top here and the end goal is to be so high up that you can just tell your assistant to do everything. So you're getting more clients and making more money. Mm -hmm. And that didn't, wasn't appealing to me. So I just, I always trust my gut and I had a bad vibe the minute I was there and I left and I was like, you know what? I just, I'm going to do makeup. I knew I wanted to do this. Let's do it. So I applied at every Mac in Sephora in North Jersey and the Mac interview process was like trying to become president of the United States. (laughs) I did, I did six interviews. Like every time I went, Oh my God, I thought I got, I was like, okay, that was it. That was it. That was it. And I, uh, got interviews for Sephora and it was a nice Sephora in Short Hills, a very like wealthy area. And I loved that area because there was no food court. So there was no teenagers <laughs> like, and you know, you weren't just having teenagers come in and like waste time, et cetera. Right. But right. Um, we, I got hired and I, oh my God, I lied through my teeth to get hired at Sephora. She, I remember they asked me cause I wanted to be in makeup and she was like, you know, one to 10, how ready are you to be in, uh, they called it color, the worlds. They were like, how ready are you to be in color? And I was like, oh, nine, <laughs> not at all. Oh, the truth was two 47, and a half. 47. Yeah, yeah, oh my God. 
I lied through my teeth. And at the time it was all being, I was just self-taught. I just practiced on myself, practice, practice, practice. And, but fake it till you make it, lied, got hired. And I literally got hired. And when I got the call, like two seconds later, I got an email or I got a phone call from Mac uh, after my fifth interview. And she pretty much told me like, you got it, but we want to do one more interview, a six mm-hmm. interview. And at this point I was unemployed for a month and a half. I'm like, I need a job. And the funny thing was I, at the time, I, I mean, I still am, but I was such a huge fan of Manny MUA at that time. And I knew he had worked at Mac and Sephora. So mm-hmm. I had, I actually just met him when I <gasps> went to uh, YouTube beauty fest a month ago. And I was so excited to finally be able to tell him that right when I was kind of, I was walking into my final Sephora interview, knowing I pretty much got Mac. And I tweeted him saying, I got hired at both. What do I do? And he, yeah. And he answered me and he said, he was like, uh, you know, if you work at Mac, you're going to make more money, but it's more sales driven. Mm -hmm. If you work at Sephora, you're not going to make as much, but you're going to learn 10 times more because Mm -hmm. of how many products are there. So that sold me. And I, I was like, okay, so for it, it is. And it was funny because I kind of ended up telling him, I'm like, you know, you're the reason all this happened because all the working at Sephora series, what ended up being my bread and butter, I'm like, you know, it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you. So that was amazing to be able to tell him. And, uh, I, started at Sephora, worked there, and um, I was there for a little over a year. And I loved it because you truly learn to work with every single brand. And I, just like you're saying with Mac, like when I had different people come in, different ages, different skin tones, different skin types, you start to develop a Rolodex of out of 30 makeup brands, 40 skincare brands, hair care brands, you just know what's going to work for someone. You know what actually has inclusive foundation shades Mm. or even for dark skin tones, you're getting into red undertones and yellow undertones. And I worked with so many other uh, um, coworkers of all different skin shades and types that we just learned from each other, which was so phenomenal. And again, it being in that area that didn't have a lot of teenagers, we we were such a heavy makeover like store that we actually did makeovers on people constantly booked. And I knew right away that I kind of had, I guess the confidence or the skill, because even before I was quote unquote certified to do it, if they were overbooked, I was always the one, even when I was just a holiday hire that I got to do makeovers. Mm. And another thing that was crazy was like, you know, which I'm sure we'll get into, like the whole gender of it, of it all is being a guy doing this. I think there's like, people like to compartmentalize where either they don't like you because you're a guy in makeup or they kind of infantilize you or tokenize you where I, I get so many comments that are like, you know, guys are so much better than girls at makeup. And it's like, for people to rationalize something that's unconventional, they need to either very few fall in the middle and they need to go one way or the other. And Mm. it's like, I want to get on record. Like that drives me insane because 95% of what I learned was from these unbelievable women that I worked with at Sephora. They were some of the most talented artists. I still talk to them today and they would watch me do makeovers and they would stand there and be like, can I show you something and get in there? And just, I I learned so much from them. These women were my, like, took me under their wing and it was incredible. I worked there and I, um, even when I was there, my 
uh, store director was my favorite boss I've ever had. She was such an example of being a leader, not a boss. Like we would be selling and this woman was on her hands and knees, turning labels facing out on the shelf. And mm. she worked so hard that it, we all had, there was such a camaraderie of if she's working that hard, let's work that hard too. And mm. it, leading by example, and that blew me away. And I remember when I was there, I actually having a hair background, hair was always an under, kind of just everyone forgot about it because we were all makeup lovers or skincare lovers. And I, you know, the, the hair care on the shelves literally collected dust. And <laughs> I, I started to say to people like, why aren't we pushing this? Why aren't we talking about it? And it got to the point that I got to start um, through my store director, encouraging me like doing uh, hair services on clients of using the tools and once I started to get kind of a, a senior role, I was able to talk to other people when you're doing a makeover, ask people about their hair, ask them what they want. And I remember um, leaving Sephora wasn't the most pleasant experience for me because I decided to go back to school and I college, I was like 26 at the time. And I, they had something at Sephora called Sephora University beauty classes. And they, every Saturday and Sunday at my location, you could go in the morning and take a class. And it was a focus on like a makeup technique or skincare. And I, and this was company wide and they didn't even have hair care classes. Mm -hmm. So without anyone asking me, I went home and I was one of the like um, teachers with another artist uh, named Kevin, who I love. And I took the uh, Sephora guidebook that we got, which was like 20 some pages. And I made a hair care class, what it would look like on my own. And I just brought it into my store director and she was like blown away that I did it. I re I'm a psycho. So I recreated it <laughs> to the T, the colors, the images, everything, what it would look like. And I actually got to pilot it for our store. I got wow. to do it for our senior employees to teach them and then uh, I never got to do it for clients because I had left shortly after that. But it was interesting because it was like my store director was so supportive, but I started to notice like from higher than my store director, it started to get a little bit, um, oh, who do you think you are energy? Mm, and okay. I started to really notice, I was like, okay, there's not, it just, there was something in the winds. And then my store director ended up getting kind of pushed out earlier than she wanted to. Mm. And the whole atmosphere of the store changed. And I, it, it wasn't a, a good place to work anymore. And they weren't going to work with my school schedule. So I ended up leaving. From there, I, a girl I worked with at Sephora had left and started freelancing for Burberry and she got me a job with them. So I started freelancing for Burberry while I was uh, going to college. And I like to tell anybody nowadays, like, because people ask me how to get started and believe it or not, I, you don't need a license to do makeup, which I think you should, but cosmetology school is expensive. And I always mm -hmm. tell people, I'm like, it's better to get hired at a place like Ulta or Sephora where you're touching people, you're using the makeup, be there for a year, learn to work with everything, and then go freelance for a brand because you're gonna make three times the amount of money. <laughs> and when I was at uh, Burberry and subsequently um, Laura Mercier, I went to after that, 
I loved it because I worked two days a week on the weekends, got to focus on school all week. And I was making in two days what I was making full-time at Sephora all wow. week. Wow. And it really gave me the liberty to focus on school, let alone if you're going to go the freelance route, there's actually room for growth and you're making real money, sustainable money. So I was there and um, graduated college in December of 2019. And I did it like a psycho. I got my bachelor's degree in three years because being older, I was so insecure. I wanted to catch up to everybody my own age. I felt so I was in a relationship and he was very established. And I just, I was from a family that it was very like your job and your work ethic is your worth. Like, and I always had that voice in my head. So I graduated, you know, this whole decade of everything, my family life and so on and so forth. And I graduated and I started applying for jobs for a month and a half, about 200 applications. And I would rather be waterboarded than apply for jobs. <laughs> it is the worst thing. Cause nowadays, you know, I mean, you have to redo every cover letter, every resume to hit buzzwords. For, so you're, so the algorithm doesn't throw your resume in the garbage. Yeah. It's, it's all consuming. It's a full-time job. I, I, it breaks my heart for people because it's, if God forbid you are working and you're looking for something new, you don't have even time to apply. So I did it. And I, after like 200 applications, I got one interview and it really was like a reach job. It was a, uh, kind of like an event coordinator position for random house book publishing. And it was going to be, yeah, it was, it was, uh, like doing book launch events and which it wasn't in beauty, but it was very melodic with what I enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. So it was, I remember the day it was like March 10th, March 11th, all in the, in the, in the course of 45 minutes, I got a call from my boss. Cause at the time I also had started doing bridal makeup for, I was maybe, I don't know, two and a half years into it. My bridal boss texted me or called me telling me because of the pandemic, all of our work was canceled for about eight months. Oh no. And 45 minutes later, I got an email from Random House that my interview the next day was canceled because <gasps> they were going on a hiring freeze. Oh, no. When I tell you I had a mental <laughs> breakdown, like I, I just went home and I just like broke because mm. it felt like I hit, uh, you know, I was telling my fiance, I just felt like I hit a brick wall going 100 miles an hour. I, or, you know, a better metaphor was I just, this whole 10 years of, of, finding this journey and getting where I wanted to go. And it's a hard path when you stick to what you know you're capable of and what you know you want to do, that dream job. And I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew I wanted to get there, climbing a mountain, if you will. And there was so many opportunities I could have settled for certain summit you know, checkpoints, but I wanted to get up there. And when you take that path, it just constantly feels like one step forward, two steps back. And I said this whole 10 years of trying to figure out what this was going to be and getting to the finish line. I said to him, I was like, I felt like I was five feet from breaking the tape in this Mm. marathon. And I, and I broke my leg and it was just so debilitating. So I didn't know what anything was going to look like. I was unemployed. It was, I felt like the past 10 years was for nothing. We were in a pandemic. I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Like what, what, what do you mean? Like we're in this black plague on top of everything else. And Mm -hmm. So I 
was, you know, depressed for a year. <laughs> and I, the silver lining was my, my, uh, stepsister was a nurse, is a nurse practitioner and she was working like crazy. And I started babysitting my nieces who were two and three at the time. And she couldn't even find a babysitter because nobody really wanted to babysit the kids of a nurse during the pandemic. Mm. And it was so phenomenal because she offered to pay me to do it because I was doing it nine hours a day. And it, it was a symbiotic thing that it saved me at the time because it was my only source of income. I got to bond with my nieces. It was the best year of my life. Like, and they were two and three. So they were the best, cutest ages and which I were bonded for life. Like, and um, so cut to the end of 2020, I was like, okay, let me start applying for jobs again. And I applied for one. It was a national makeup artist position for YSL. And I hit every bullet. It was 10 years of experience, a bachelor's degree. And the last bullet was a minimum of 5,000 Instagram followers. I, I was so pissed because I was like, you're looking for a millennial because you want 10 years of work experience. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you want a bachelor's degree. And while I was doing that, I was supposed to become Instagram famous. Wow. More, More than that. The fact that you think 5,000 Instagram followers is a lot as a, as a, you know, global brand shows you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. C, why is my Instagram, why are you entitled to my personal Instagram following? Mm. That shows me, you don't know how to build one yourself. So you want to leech off of someone else's. Mm. And I was so aggravated about it. I applied anyway, (laughs) didn't hear anything, but cut to, it was like January, uh, February of 2021, I really started to realize that this, having a social media following is more of a currency than Mm -hmm. anything in the marketing field. So I said to my fiance, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take February of 2021 to try to make something happen on social media. And at that point, if it didn't happen, I was going to give up and work marketing for Pine Soul or whatever that, whatever, (laughs) whatever, just sell out job I took because I I was done at that point. So it was funny because I was so of the old mentality of when I came up in makeup of the long form YouTube videos, all of the OGs, your, your Jacqueline Hills, your Jackie Ina, Manny's. And I started to realize I didn't even have TikTok at that point. I downloaded it and I started every day. My strategy was changing literally day to day of like, okay, people don't want that anymore. They want this. They want, uh, how am I going to teach people to contour in 60 seconds and so on and so forth. And I, and I started to learn the short form. And then near the end of the month, I started to realize my own feed and you know, your feed is curated based on what you're kind of organically enjoying. Mm -hmm. All, most of my feed was all these comedy videos because everyone was depressed in the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And so that gave me the idea. I was like, what if I start like a working at Sephora video, like a funny and, and because I had worked at short Hills with all of these rich clients that were, we all know how those people are just very dismissive, very just entitled. And that very much the Barbara character that I do. Um, I, which honestly, 95% of those skits are verbatim. Um, I, <laughs> Love her. I yeah right there you have a soft spot for her I, I really do I really do she's part of the family at this point <laughs> I um I uh made that video and it was very scary because I it, it's much more vulnerable to do 
comedy, you know, and I did it and I posted it and I was like, let's see how this goes. And the, the philosophy of it really was, it's very hard to get exposure as a guy in makeup because these big beauty pages don't want to refeature you because mm. you go to any huge, you know, multi-million Instagram with makeup tutorials. It's all women Mo go to any big page of a brand. You're lucky if they post one guy every six months, because at the end of the day, they don't want to hurt their bottom line, which is they don't want to piss off middle America. And mm -hmm. because you see that one guy post and go through the comments and it's repugnant, it's homophobic, it's, or it's jealousy. It's how is he better at makeup than me? I don't know. Cause I've been doing it for eight years. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I wasn't born like being born a female doesn't give you the biological disposition of being good at makeup. Anything Amen. is practice. <laughs> like, a, a, yeah, any, a, anything, just, just like being born a man doesn't give you this, this inherent, you know, gifts that anybody can't learn. I, and that, but people get threatened and they get jealous and, and brands don't want to deal with that. So it, the philosophy of the comedy videos was this Trojan horse of in the video for half of it, I have this full beat on that people were like, oh my God, I love your makeup. And between them, I started peppering in these, my makeup tutorials. And that was the strategy. And lo and behold, I, the first one I posted, it, you know, didn't do anything the first day, went to bed. And my uh, now fiance woke me up at like eight in the morning. And he was like, uh, your comedy video has like 50,000 views. And I was like, what? Like, and we looked and that day it got up to like 200,000. And I was like, oh, holy crap. I'm, I'm onto something here. And uh, the rest is history. I kept doing it. And you know, peppering in the comedy videos. And now I have the luxury now that everything's kind of blown up of really being able to focus on what the main goal was, which was make doing beauty and, you know, even getting long form stuff on YouTube. And um, yeah, that was the very windy, unpredictable 10 year path. No, I, and I would say three things. Number one, not unpredictable because like you said you worked for this you planned for this like this is what yeah. you wanted to do so not at all unpredictable that you yeah. are where you're supposed to be because you worked your ass off for it number yeah. two one of the questions I asked was how was this influenced by your culture and I would say for the first time in all of the times I've listened to you this is the first time I've heard Jersey come out of you <laughs> the, Jer <laughs> the Jersey accent did come out I was like oh there he is <laughs> that's so great oh my god and and my mom is from Staten Island so we were constantly like I mean we were there almost every weekend so I have this weird mix of Jersey and New York it's it's rough yeah. and then number three I have to believe and hope like how does Sephora and I love your your Mac ones too because they're super accurate yeah, yeah. like how do they do you get response from them like how do the brands now that you've blown up what's been the response from brands because I, you're not bashing anybody I feel mm -hmm. like you're yeah. really especially since you worked at Sephora for so long I feel like you're accurately representing and you're not really talking about the store but the Sephora videos you're talking yeah. about the customers yeah. and with Mac so super accurate but what's been the response from either Mac or Sephora to your videos so it's so funny that you asked that because I think the first year when I was doing this and I, the first year I was on social media, all of 2021, it was, I was doing it for free. I was, didn't make a dime. I was still doing bridal makeup like crazy, especially that everything had gotten pushed from the pandemic. So it, though I always used to say, I was waiting for the cease and desist from Sephora. 
I, I really was like, they're going to tell me like, you know, and I always was very conscious. Exactly. It was really never to bash the store. It was about more the comedy was this sociology of this interaction, this retail interaction between these two people. And that kind of, uh, you know, privileged person deal uh, faced with uh, these certain undertones of like homophobia and jealousy or um, just just social things I kind of wanted to bring awareness to. And mm -hmm. um, even now I just started the straight guy working at Sephora and oh. the same and I the same that. thing. Which, you know, it's, I, I didn't, people were telling me to do that for so long and I didn't do it because I wasn't uh, secure enough in my ability to play a straight guy because oh. I'm very gay. So, <laughs> I, so I, I finally did it. I think I do it pretty convincingly. Yes, um, very much so. I have to say it's very modeled after my brother-in-law who is the most sweet, endearing man. Like he is just such a rad person he did his college thesis on stonewall like he's just oh, wow. so okay. he's such a brilliant person and he's so endearing that that's really who i modeled the character off of this just straight guy that is has no idea what he's doing in this environment but wants to learn and it and um but anyway back to your question of sephora i uh they never said anything to me but i was up for the Sephora squad. I was a finalist for the 2022 Sephora squad. And it's like thousands and thousands of people. And then they pick 150 finalists and I was a finalist. Um, I didn't end up getting it. That's mm -hmm. fine. But I, but that let me know. I was like, oh, okay. They're not mad at me. So that was kind <laughs> of the way where I was like, okay. Like, and then another big thing was really in January, 2022, I consider like my big, break because Fenty Beauty reached out to me and that would they were the first ones to put uh two and two together and say like okay these comedy videos are getting millions of views what if we put a product in there like what if we like and I was like and the whole year I was like why isn't anybody reaching out to me for this and that's there's a reason Rihanna's a billionaire like because she obviously has a team around her that is so progressive to realize that this is the way marketing is nowadays. This is how, you know, and that was my first big collaboration and my first big, uh, just branded partnership that really got me like, okay, this is sustainable. This can turn into a career. And, um, yeah. So, you know, no animosity, no cease and desist, but Good. they, they, yeah, yeah. And Fenty Beauty, especially the Fenty Beauty. I mean, that's, that's one of Sephora's probably top five bread and butter brands. So it, I really think that kind of helped me with maybe, you know, the image of Sephora not being mad at me. So. And I don't know, and I, this is the sense that I get from your degree. Cause I mean, beyond just knowing a shit ton about makeup and, and how to apply it and to look mm -hmm flawless yeah. every time you put it on Thank but you, you seem to understand the industry and I did that come from mm. your experience or did that come from your degree my degree taught me nothing <laughs> <laughs> if I could get in a time machine I would not have gone back to college and okay. because I, I I it really was the industry and I think Sephora had such a big thing to do with that because when you eat sleep and breathe makeup we were the people like on the front lines of beauty that when a you know new launch came out a new concealer would launch and we would see it would be the first people to swatch it before it was even live and 
we were the ones seeing before anybody else, like, okay, like the way you're designing this packaging, uh, the concealer's leaking out of the component. The mm. doe, the doe foot isn't absorbing the product. And it's, we were, I mean, it's just, you're, you're testing it and you're touching it day in and day out. And you start to learn if you're inquisitive about it, every single thing about these formulas and how they wear and how they last and do they oxidize and, that is the beauty and education of working at a place like Ulta and Sephora is you are literally drowning in makeup. And if mm. you're not busy, you're playing with it. You're touching it, you're feeling it. And then when I wasn't at Sephora, I was watching YouTube videos. I was constantly putting it on. And 99% of it is what, when it came to makeup was self-taught on YouTube and learning from these other artists at Sephora. And then as far as the marketing aspect of it went, it, it, it's interesting. I can only speak to my own experience at, to the school I went to, but I really feel like nowadays college, the entire education system in this country needs to be changed. It's a nightmare. It's, okay. it's so indicative of, you know, it's a bit, college has become a business. It's no longer, and they're not in the business of teaching uh, students, they're in the business of making money. And Absolutely. my, my dad said something that was so brilliant. He said, it, you know, if you ever wanted to reform college systems, the system of college, colleges should have should have to almost co-sign the loans to guarantee mm. that they are going to get you a job when you're done. And if that was the case, you damn well believe they would be educating people to a, in a way that they were actually setting you up for success, but they don't care. When you're out, when you graduate and your $100,000 loan hits, they don't give a shit if you don't get a job. Like, and that's the thing that that's is such a problem because what in my experience in college, my adjunct professors who were actually working in the private sector, they were the ones teaching me my 101, how to open and use PowerPoint and Excel classes. They were exhausted from their day job. And then by the time I got to my 300, 400 level classes that I actually should have been learning what I've taught myself for the past year and a half of social media and marketing, these people haven't worked in the private sector in 20 years because yeah. they're a lifetime professor. And they were, te they were regurgitating the McGraw-Hill PowerPoint on the four <laughs> Ps of marketing, which is so outdated. They didn't, and I remember some of the things, a, a really unique experience I had going back to school older between like 26 and 29 was there when I was in finance classes, there was these kids in my finance classes who were 19, 20 years old and I would overhear them laughing at my professor because these kids had $200,000 in Bitcoin invested. And this teacher didn't even know what Bitcoin was. Mm. And it was so fascinating to me because we are in this new era of business and marketing and finance. The world is changing so fast that the education hasn't caught up and yeah. no one's calling it out. And I, everything I've taught myself down to lighting, camera, editing, marketing, understanding what's going viral. I am constantly addicted to watching YouTube videos on the algorithm updates of social media platforms, how to adapt to it. And I didn't learn a thing from college. And uh, my, and ironically, my fiance works at the college I went to. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I always say to him, I would love down the line, like I would love to even be able to start going to colleges and kind of having like as a speaker and say to these kids, like, do you understand every class you're sitting in is costing you this much money? And you, I think the problem is, is that it starts in high school. We kind of instill this fine balance that yes, you have to respect your educators and you have to respect the adults you're with. But when you get to college, it's your money. You're paying to be there and you are entitled to demand the highest possible quality and output from the people that are teaching you. Mm-hmm. But you're 18 years old. You're afraid to, you know, challenge authority. So they don't say anything. And I would look at the kids in my college classes and they were all shopping on Amazon or on Instagram. They don't care because it's college has become another high school. So they weren't challenging it. And you have to demand the best out of your educators and say, am I going to get a job after this? And, and that is such a big thing I would love to do going forward because I think, like I said, I, I would have taken it back. I wouldn't have take, I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have had to worry about the debt. And cause I, I honestly, I taught everything was just self-taught. Yeah. I agree because my background is in higher education. So like I went and got a master's mm, degree oh so, so that I could work with college students. And wow. I've worked at the university for 10 years and was like, but I worked on the, the student services side. God, the, so does my fiance. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're the, we're the nice people. We're the warm and fuzzy. Yes, we're the like, yeah. <laughs> let's get you actualized. Let's look at this whole yeah. thing holistically. Let's talk about study abroad. Let's talk about internships. Let's talk about you becoming an RA. So you get that leadership experience oh. and you get paid. So that was the side of higher ed that I was on but then You're doing I, the lord's work i'm not I, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore i'm i'm I live you were, you were. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what i was faced with was like i was yeah. here the whole like let's talk about them as people and let's get them developed but then the the money side was like oh but the football team and boosters oh. and i was just like i don't care about that stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah yes my best friend was in the teach for america program and she mm. taught she uh went to um very rural Arkansas. And I mean, it was insane. The The funding was horrible. The She didn't have textbooks for the kids. And these poor kids, like she told me a story one time that, you know, these kids after high school, if the uh, college recruiter for basketball was coming and if these kids had w- one bad game the day the recruiter came, she needed to then de- have these kids crying on her shoulder realizing that because they played one bad game and we're not going to get into college now, they were destined to work at whatever, you know, Walmart was 45 minutes away or an hour away from them because they couldn't afford college. And it, it's devastating. The The whole system is so broken that it, it, it starts and creates so many problems starting at, you know, t- children at, at that age. Oh, yeah, we could talk about this. Forever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but yeah, but um, but this does you again, your background in the industry. And I, I you're the only makeup artist that I've had the opportunity to talk to about this. So speaking of Fenty Beauty, like mm-hmm. how uh, until then, did they not realize black people existed and that? Oh, my God. Wanted to wanted to wear makeup because yeah. since Fenty blew up, then all of a sudden I see all these other brands like, oh, no, we've got these colors, too. It's like, but you didn't before Brianna. So completely in in terms of like women of color, but also men. So what is Mm -hmm. it? Do you want to see changed about the industry? What is it that while you're in it, you would like to see it go and how to see it progress? 
Yeah, you know what? It's such a, it's so interesting. I think the whole, someone just posted something on uh, online recently talking about like the kind of um, the uh, feud between pro makeup artists and beauty uh, influencers and kind of being both now, I guess, like having a pro makeup background and now going into this, I think it's interesting because it's, you know, there was an inclusion before that, but your pro makeup artists, they did, they knew about, you know, the pro brands that did have inclusive shades, but they're not broadcasting it to the world. So the silver lining of your, your beauty influencers is they were the ones who were really, um, calling it out like and I give people like Jackie Ina a lot of credit like she was one of the ones who was constantly reviewing things and saying like what is this like this does not go deep enough this is, is not inclusive so they were bringing a lot of awareness to it but when Fenty came out um I remember I was working for Burberry and we all ran over to Sephora to like touch it and whatever <laughs> and oh my god it was like Christmas and uh, you know everyone was obsessed with it and it's so, and exactly now everyone's on the bandwagon of like, oh, wow, people of color wear makeup. Like, but again, it's the same, yeah, it's the same with men where everything is about money and their, their corporate, I guarantee you before that, if we, if they whipped out the, the uh, financial spreadsheet, a bulk of their money was from your, your fair to medium skin toned people. And if they're, darker shades weren't selling as much okay well then we don't really need to make as many yes they would probably buy them but maybe we're not getting a return on our investment so they're shit out of luck that's the way it's it's disgusting like and I think she has been so revolutionary in and again yeah maybe she obviously had the capital to invest in coming out with a 60 shade range, but so do these brands yeah. and I'm sorry. And, and even being on the influencer side of it now, you would be appalled. Some of the biggest brands, your, your main ones that have been around for a hundred years are the most cheap, want everything for nothing. You have the money to invest in it. And I refuse to believe that you have the money to make the inclusive shade ranges. You don't want to, because you're making more money. And then when it comes to men, it's the same thing. You know, we're just to get everything targeted to men. Now, now we have uh, makeup or skincare targeted to men in manly packaging with, <laughs> uh, you know, with, with, you know, the word man written across it bro yeah, yeah oh my yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like and it's all like uh stop like men have faces men have skin it's the same as the skin that's on women and it all goes to this protecting the fragility of and i have been obviously friends with so many straight guys they cover their pimples. They, they ask me what concealer to put on to cover it. And it's doesn't matter. We don't need it. But the problem, it all goes back to these beauty brands and the way they're marketing things, because it's ironic to me that you have some brands that when it comes to pride month, we, it, everything is, we love gays. We love men. Then, then they're going to splash men all over their Instagram page to sell their pride collection. But why are the other 11 months out of the year, you're not every pronoun you use in your advertisements is makeup for her to look, mm -hmm. she, her, 
there's never they, you, mm, mm. inclusive pronouns that that let guys know it, who cares, put a moisturizer on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and that and that's really what like now when I started the uh, straight guy shopping at Sephora, that's something I get to like tackle is this mm. just calling out the ridiculousness of the guys wanting to take care of themselves but feeling like they're not welcome because they aren't like, and, and and frankly, having a man's line, men, men, men is so condescending. It's even more, you're highlighting the, the divide opposed to just saying, come in and get a moisturizer. It doesn't matter. Like, Oh my gosh, your your men series is my favorite because it's like you're in my house because <laughs> my boyfriend has, you know, I've introduced him to pedicures and like, mm-hmm. yes, hey, how about you use more than one product? On, like, I think he was putting Lubriderm on his face. I was like, oh. why, are, why are you putting Lubriderm on your face? Please, yep. please stop this. <laughs> yep. He was like, what? Totally. It's lotion. Ah, not in your face. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because I don't think people realize like, especially nowadays with comedy, like, and it's not even that this is my, my driving reason, but nowadays I think I was always, I'm always very conscious, even when I started making the Sephora videos, like I'm cognitive of the fact that I'm playing a woman in half of the, the videos. And I always try to construct the videos in a way that the, even though Barbara is a terrible person, she, uh, I'm not, I never wanted to make fun of women. I never wanted to, I don't want to make fun of straight guys. It was, it was always this position of whenever Barbara is villainized, it's because she's being blatantly disrespectful or rude or homophobic. And even in the straight guy video, if I had made a video where I just portrayed this straight guy, like, a, you know, a, a, because, oh my God, we, I always joke around. I hate those commercials where it's like the husband is a buffoon who like doesn't know how to use the washing machine and is like dropping the clothes and the woman looks at the camera and it's like oh isn't he an idiot like <laughs> that's not funny like that's not like oh good take like right. I, I that wasn't my angle it was it was that this it, I, i'm not questioning the the intelligence of this straight guy no. it's about i'm i'm always making fun of the hypocrisy of the culture, not the person. And because that's not funny to watch. And I'm somebody in comedy that I I loved. Television is what shaped my acting and my, my comedy. And that was always the best kind of humor to me, that that was more about the sociological look at the culture rather than just bashing a kind of person or making fun of a person or that was never interesting to me. Right. No, and I, and I think, and that comes across, it doesn't come across. And I think it's Good. funny. It's, no, no. And I, and it's funny yeah. because it's true. It's, it's so funny. And I think that the, the fact that the guy is in Sephora means that he's, he's open to it and realizes exactly. that like, oh, I, there's some stuff that I need to learn and his, I'm going to learn it. So no, they're yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of your, you talked a little bit about having some strategy for your business. And so what does your strategy look like? Oh, honestly, I mean, it's, I'm so happy this happened to me when I was older, because I think I, it gives me the wherewithal to really like understand a lot of that, like have a more business mindset when it comes to it and not be, um, and on top of it, I think we're so deep, we're almost a decade into the whole, you know, like beauty guru thing that I've seen so many people fall victim to being, um, 
make a little money. And then they're like, here's my house tour. Like, and I don't like it, showing off my money. Like, and I, that, it's not interesting anymore. And um, trust me, I'm not there. I'm, st- I'm in a, I'm, we're in an apartment and I'm filming in my bedroom. My, my <laughs> poor fiance, my poor fiance has to cuddle a ring light when we go to bed. Um, <laughs> so I'm very far from that, but I, yeah, it, to be honest, it's interesting. I think I'm somebody that I believe very heavily in keeping yourself open to listening to the signs of the universe. And very quickly, a big inspirational story that I always, I always think about is RuPaul always said when he was younger, he was in a band and he wanted, and he was doing more punk drag and he was performing. And then one day he got dressed up in glam, like glamazon drag. And he always says he remembers people's reactions was so oh my God, you, you are stunning. Like, and then he went back the next day to doing what he was doing. And everybody was like, wait, where's the, go, go back to doing that. And he fought it. Cause he was like, no, I want to do this. I want to do music. I want to do this kind of thing. And then he goes a couple months later, I woke up and I was like, what am I doing? Like, listen to these people are telling you, this is amazing. Keep yourself open to it. And the minute he did that, he had a chart on the a song on the billboard charts six months later. And uh, that was me. I wanted to be Manny. I wanted to be Patrick Starr. I never thought I'd be doing comedy. Like, but you have to, you can't go into something trying to define your brand before you know what your brand is going to be. You mm-hmm. have to just lead with authenticity, vulnerability, see how it's received. And then your brand becomes defined. And That being said, 10 years ago, I never would have pictured that I was where I am now. So 10 years from now, I can't say, but if I had to, you know, bucket list, yeah, I would love to, I love that I have a makeup artist background because I would love to be able to tour and do masterclasses and yeah, come out with a brand that is very makeup artist uh, focused and um, uh, just lean into the the artistry of it all, because yeah, I don't want to be a 50 year old man putting makeup on myself on TikTok. <laughs> who knows if, who knows if TikTok will be there? Like, but it, it's, uh, I would love to transition into oh, almost the way Patrick is doing it, where even I met him at YouTube beauty fest. And he was even telling me like, you know, he's even has stepped away from the influencer aspect because his brand is so phenomenal that he is focusing on being a brand owner. And I love that that is that long-term goal. And that is very inspirational to me. Um, I would love to, yeah, speak at things and and talk about um, market marketing and consulting and building a brand and building your social media and, but yeah, I would love to have a, a beauty line um, because I think I'm really hoping that I have a bone of contention with a lot of celebrity makeup brands. I think the only celebrity makeup brands that are doing it are Fenty. And I, I give a lot of credit to Rare Beauty too. I think Selena Gomez's brand is is doing very good because it's has that quality. And I think if you have that kind of, if you're entering a space that you are not inherently involved in, you have the capital to do it at the top. And I get sent a lot of celebrity makeup brands that are not great and it's very expensive and it just infuriates me because you are capitalizing, you're, you're, you know, it's the new fragrance. It's the way everybody had a fragrance 
20 years ago. It's easy money. You're, you're, it's manufactured in, you have, your products are made in China for two cents. There's a 300% markup and you're counting your money. Right. And that drives me insane because as somebody that's trying to teach people makeup, you are oversaturating the market and making things so confusing. Yeah. And I hope we go the way of people like your uh, One Size and Lunar Beauty and uh, Danessa Marix and uh, uh, makeup by Mario, those brands, Patrick Ta, that are people who are, are educated makeup artists behind the brands. They ironically are the top quality stuff right now. So that, that is where I'm hoping that the industry goes. Yeah. So we're going to stay away from stuff that rhymes with Fenner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Right. <laughs> so I cannot get over the outfit that you wore to YouTube Beauty Fest. Are oh, you, you branching into fashion? Oh, I've always loved fashion. I was lucky enough to be a gay boy with two older <laughs> sisters. So I had access to, oh my God, all the Barbies I wanted, all the dresses I wanted. And um, my sisters are both very, and even my mom, both very fashionable, both very love fashion. And I always did. And um yeah, now that I, you know, yeah, the the luxury of getting to go to events like Beauty Fest, and I love serving a look, like, and I would love to, um, yeah, start incorporating fashion more in my social media. It's so funny because I always joke around. I'm the worst, like, social media influencer because I. I it's never at the forefront of my mind, even when I go to events or whatever, I never think to take photos. I'm like a 70 year old wrapped in a 30 year old's body. <laughs> I, and I see these, I meet these other influencers that they just have that gene where they are, everything is a photo opportunity to them. Everything is look at this, look at my outfit, look at my, and I like forget, I like get ready for an event and I'm like out the door and I'm like, oops, I forgot to film my outfit. Like, because I'm very like, I'm so in disbelief that I am where I am that, and also to me, I don't know, I'm a very like in the moment, like appreciate in presence kind of a person that I just, I don't know, it's not my, I'm not Instagram storying my whole life. So I think sometimes I like, for, I, I'm so focused on the makeup. I forget to like do other <laughs> aspects that I enjoy, but I would love to start incorporating fashion because I love it. And especially for guys, it's, it's so hard to find like eccentric, uh, fun, flamboyant, fashion and it, it's like 99% of what I buy has to be from online because if I go to a store it's t-shirts and shorts like and I think guys just like in beauty I think there's a market to kind of maybe like help people find fashion that is actually interesting for men mm -hmm. so I would love to start doing that so it's one little step into that your merch for your YouTube TikTok page Oh, I'm so excited about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, it, it's funny. Like, and I think, I don't know if I would have done it if I didn't have, you know, the comedy focus with these characters and everybody else, but it's funny because I think people love these characters so much that I, um, wanted to just make merch that had like pointed out the funny things that these characters are saying. And the, the, it, it's, I love that it's all tied to that social awareness of, uh, the jokes about the way these people behave. And um, I started doing it and I love every, uh, years ago, I mean, when I was in high school, I wanted to go for graphic design and I've taught myself Photoshop and all that. And I did all the designs myself and I um, created the uh, 
Trevor collection, the Barbara collection with phrases on them. And um, yeah, oh my God, it took me months to find like a, a, a company that was going to make the caliber of product I was looking for. Cause I love buying merch, like from people that I love. And I hate when you go to a concert and um, you want to buy merch and it's like a Gildan like disposable t-shirt with like iron on letters that are going to uh. fall off in five seconds and it's like $50. So I, I wanted to make sure it was like as good as it could be, but yeah, I would love to even take it further than that and like start making other stuff like just I don't know, makeup merch. Like I think makeup is so beloved by people now. Like I always, I have a concept like where, uh, you know, women are always said like, you're wearing too much makeup. And uh, I, I want to, I'm still working it out, but I want, it's like, women are wearing too much makeup. If you think I'm wearing too much makeup, then shave your beard because <laughs> men, like, because I'm sorry, men's beards are their makeup. Like they shave their beard and they have a, oh, there's no chin, there's no jawline under there. Like, so it's like, let's not talk about the smoke in the mirrors then, you know, like that kind of a thing. Like those, those funny takes on beauty. Like I would love to keep branching into that, but obviously it's, this is all, I'm only like a year and a half into it, but um, yeah, the world's my oyster. I, I, I like I said, and that, that's why I told the RuPaul story of the universe. I, I, I'm, I'm open to absolutely everything. And I think when an idea hits me, I, the biggest thing I tell everybody is just like, start with what you're passionate about, because when you get into it and you do it every day, it gets exhausting and you have to love it. So whatever that thing is that you go to bed thinking about and wake up thinking about, go into it, do that full force. And once you do it, surrender any expectations and allow the universe to tell you what direction to go in and then believe you can do anything you want to do when you have an idea for it and ride it till the wheels fall off. And that, that <laughs> would be a great ending. And I think you found <laughs> the beginning of your speech, but I have one last question for yeah, you. Um, so as of being a talented makeup artist and a busy comic and a content creator <laughs> wasn't enough, um, sir, you sing. I do. Um, <laughs> can you please leave some skills for the rest of us, please? Oh, thank you. Thank so, you. So is singing something that you want to pursue? Like, or is this just, uh, where, where's this coming from? Oh, you know, I mean, that was, I did, like I said, I did theater for years and I loved performing. Um, I did. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I'm open to anything. I don't know if like perform, like singing is in the cards, you know, in the long run after this, but I, before the pandemic, I was in a theater group in Jersey that we performed a lot in the city um, at uh, like big cabaret theaters, like 54 Below and off-Broadway theaters that um, we did reviews and that was incredible because it, it, I really hadn't done it in 10 years. So to get to revisit it and do it on that scale with all these other performers that were, these people lived in the city and were like trying to be on Broadway. And then I would be like, no, I'm a makeup artist. And they were like, what? Like, and I really had no intention, but I just loved doing it. And, um, but I would love to, I mean, going forward, I would love to like, and maybe get into acting and uh, the the comedy of it all like that I would love to do because I, I love acting so much and yeah I love singing I can't, I can't imagine doing it in the long run but it's still something I I mean trust me I put on full, full concerts in my car when I'm driving but yeah I I, I love it. 
Perfect. Mr. Johnny Ross, it was an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you today. I think, again, you being able to tell Manny MUA how he's impacted you, I have to tell you that as, as I scroll through my For You page, you, you really shouldn't have been on my For You page because <laughs> makeup, <laughs> clearly makeup is not my thing, but somehow you popped up in there. And just to see you championing inclusion, championing, championing, whatever that word is, being a supporter yeah. <laughs> of um, making sure that everybody is represented and talking about some of the social issues that are going on, but also being funny and approachable and flawless at the same time. Thank you for your work. Keep it up. It, you're oh. you're making a difference. People are seeing it. I mean, you got 1.1 million followers, so <laughs> it's not just me that people love what you do. Uh -huh. So keep so keep it up. And uh. where can my listeners find you? Uh, well, you can find me on uh, Instagram and TikTok at Mr. Johnny Ross. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel at Johnny Ross. Um, my merch is out at the time this is coming out, um, which all the links are in my bio. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. This is my first podcast I was ever on. And trust me, I listen to episodes. I love what you're doing because what we were talking about education, I love that you're highlighting different career paths. I think that is so important. You're doing amazing. This was such a pleasure to meet you. Such a pleasure to talk to you. You will be getting a list of lip liners and I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Johnny. Have a great day. You are so welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wise and Wine podcast. Don't forget, episodes come out every Tuesday wherever you find podcasts. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. You can also find information about my guests on my Instagram page at Wise and Wine Podcast or send me an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at wiseandwine at gmail.com. So I hope that our time today helps you pass the time on your commute, pass the time on the treadmill, or pass the time while you're working on those TPS report. And hopefully you left this day a little wiser. Have a great day. Bye-bye.